a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the master calm to my Senator Grayshade, it is John Campbell. Oh no, do I have to look things up by punching things into my nipples now? Yes, you do. You didn't already? <laughs> well, I did, but we tried to, you know, there's a reason, there's a reason <laughs> the camera cuts off here, you know? <laughs> cuts off with the collarbone yeah yeah just go ahead and ignore the uh yeah oh man here we go this is it baby it's the ultimate gamble as the last issue taught us uh because i don't know we're on a because we're back on the wheel we're in issue number 19 of star wars from marvel comics group from the original book started in 1977 where now we're in 1979 uh this was published january 1st 1979 though actually it's probably more like january 19th because that's what it says on the cover of the comic book but well that is the uh, uh the thing I, I always know when you read the dates is uh the marvel app seems to just put whatever month and then first yeah. they don't really bother to, yeah these come out sporadically but it, it is january of 79 and boy you can feel it right no 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 you absolutely can't um <laughs> i don't even know what that would be too it's just like this one really feels like a, a 1979 story this this book really feels like we're on the cusp of a new decade doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah this is continuing uh, this big arc, which, oh man, um, it's really interesting to see them. As we talked about last week, uh, whatever issues I have in here, I do appreciate it does feel like there's some more ambition to the comic right now. And that I, I, I can get on board with, even if yeah. it doesn't all work. And this is a story that feels more solidly like a Star Wars story. We talked last week about how it feels like such faint praise to say that a book called Star Wars actually starts feeling like Star Wars. <laughs> it took about, uh, yeah, about 18 issues to start feeling like Star Wars. And that's not 100% true, because we'd have, like, little bits and pieces here and there, especially, you know, the first six issues, which were literally just an adaptation of Star Wars. But even right. that felt a little uh, ham-fisted at times. But it does feel like it's like, oh, this is adding to the world as opposed to just sort of being either uh, directly adapting the movie or it does feel like, oh, people are trying to come up with new stuff that actually is of a piece with what exists. Yeah, exactly. And this book specifically and this storyline that we're getting into feels like it could so easily slot in as just like, yeah, this is a Star Wars adventure and it feels of a piece. And while that yeah. does feel at times like faint praise it is head and shoulders above some of the stuff we've seen thus far i think as we try i think in general archie goodwin has a better grasp on the on the general not just voice of the characters but voice of star wars mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and yeah, speaking of Archie Goodwin, let's get our creative team here, because we do have Archie Goodwin back as our writer. We've got Carmen Infantino back as our penciler. We'll 
be ragging on him some more this issue, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we do have the back end creative team is a little bit different, which makes me wonder how rushed this issue was or what kind of change ups we were seeing at Marvel at the time. Cause we got Bob Wachek on inks. We've got uh, Carl Gafford on colors and Irving Watanabe on letters and a certain shooter lurking in the background. Well, I think that's key as well. When you talk about, it. I think you are definitely what's happening at the company, whether or not it's fitting in this book is just going forward. As we talked a bit about last week is just the ever growing, uh, you know, uh, reach of Jim shooter. He's starting to take over the company more. It just, uh, you know, that that's not necessarily, it, it's not yet the, the, the thing that people rag on him on. He's not yet that Jim shooter. No, we're still, he, still early days, but his it definitely ego is. hasn't inflated to the size of a company just yet. Well, I think I, I had a perfect. Uh, uh, let's see, I had a, I had a great quote about him uh, that I found last that, that I'm going to read this week is from John Byrne that talked about uh, uh, Shooter came along just when Marvel needed him, but he stayed too long. Having fixed about just uh, having fixed just about everything that was wrong, he could not stop fixing things. Mm. He, did, he did really help buoy the company, but then he then he once he had already done that, all of a sudden I think he did go. Well, I'm Marvel's savior. What else can I do? How else can I tinker? <laughs> it's that constant problem you hear about, especially with Hollywood producers, but people who at an executive level can't leave well enough alone and they need to justify their own existence even when something is working well. Right, exactly. And so it's sort of like, and oftentimes it is it is the case where somebody comes in and they're the big idea guy to shake things up. But then it's kind of like, okay, now we need a steady hand to guide the thing. And the guy who shook things up isn't that guy necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Look, just because you're a disruptor doesn't mean you need to be disruptive all of the time. But it's almost like I think a guy like Jim Shooter doesn't know how not to disrupt. It's just like, well, no, but I got it. <laughs> what else can I do? And that answer, Secret Wars too. <laughs> that answer was Secret Wars 2. Let's not talk about Secret Wars 2. Let's talk about uh, Star Wars number 19. I like that book so much better than Secret Wars 2. Let's start with the I cover agree. here. The cover is nuts. The cover is nuts because it is a metaphor. And I don't know if we've seen a more metaphorical cover in this book th thus far. Because we have the outside of the wheel that we saw in the previous issue. Giant space station full of gamblers. Yeah, but on the inside of it, the center of it now is a giant orange skull. Because of bad people in the wheel, I think. Oh, such bad stuff is in the wheel, you guys. It's like <laughs> death is another character in this book. Whoa. Actually, you can't say that at Marvel because death is a character in certain books. <laughs> well, Unless we forget like the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I was gonna, well, death, to be fair, is also could show up at DC. Death is ever lurking around as a character in comics. That's uh, true. Uh, but, you, the, I mean, the book itself says it on the front page here. Trapped in a man-made wheel of death. I love this so much. And they do this a few times. Uh, they, they use the term man-made wheel of death. You know, as opposed to those naturally occurring wheels of death. <laughs> I like a, a garden-grown wheel of death, you know, really get a fresh wheel of death straight from the vine. Excuse me, is this wheel of death organic? <laughs> there were no pesticides or anything used on it, right? Yeah, no, no, no. I don't want any uh, GMOs in my wheels of death. 
I just love to think that it was like trapped on a wheel of death. They're like, man-made? Yeah, now we're talking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, It's just very silly. We also have a little bit of a block down here of something that isn't going to end up shaking out, but it's something they keep trying to make a thing, and that's the Star Warriors. Man, Star Wars starring all your favorite Star Warriors. <laughs> Look, the whoever thought up the term Star Warriors was probably also involved with the creation of the holiday special, right? Like it's got that variety show feel to it. it well, it it has it it's a it's very much like a, a a Hollywood producer sort of thing. It's like, well, it's called Star Wars. You call the characters the Star Warriors, and all you know. It's it's not a very creative idea. It's just a very obvious like branding idea. Well, they need a team name, right? Yeah, <laughs> starring the Star Warriors, <laughs> and here live in person, the Star Warriors. You know, it has that sort of vibe to it. If Star Wars had gotten its Saturday morning cartoon that wasn't Ewoks or droids, yes, I know, I'm aware that those exist, they would have been called like The Adventures of the Star Warriors. Yeah. You got ahead of the emails about, I believe there were a couple of Saturday morning cartoon <laughs> shows in the Star Wars universe. The fact that yeah. there haven't been more over the years is actually the more astounding part to me. It is interesting that it that it took as long as it did for there to be consistent Star Wars animation. Because mm-hmm. it does feel like in that interim of the 90s, when we grew, where we always talk about we grew up in that weird sort of middle ground section where Star Wars fully existed, but nothing new was coming of it. The idea that Except they for, talk, you know, all the video games and comic books and novels. I mean, at least in terms of movies and television. Yeah, that, sure. that's I mean, that, that's key. We were the kids who were raised on the video games, comics and novels being the only continuation of Star Wars. But it is interesting that nobody really went went hard at a at an animated thing. And I think a lot of that just had to do with Lucas had such a grip on it and I don't think he was interested in doing anything or was I guess as as he always talks about was trying to develop the prequels during those years. True. There's also like the legendary vault of scripts for that like massive TV show he was planning to do that never yeah. actually ended up happening. That is crazy to think of the one that was going to be. Was it? I think the 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 project title was Star Wars Underworld. I don't think that was meant yeah. to be the actual uh, the actual title of it. But uh, yeah, crazy to think about if that probably best that didn't happen. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, tough to say. Like especially with like Lucas specifically produced stuff, it's always such a mixed bag, right? I think that's the thing about, like, I don't hate Lucas, but I do think for the good of the franchise, it's better it got away from him. That's not, that's yeah. once again, not to say that he's bad, but it's just like, I think it just needed some new blood in it. Right, and we got guys like Filoni who are still carrying that Lucas torch in such yeah. a big way. Um, I think what's But there's cool also plenty of new voices that are adding new life That's what I think franchise. is cool. You have guys like Filoni who came up under him and are very cognizant of the George Lucas of it all, although I still think actually Filoni is a better writer than George Lucas, um, even if he, you know, kind of is a is a protege. Um, but then you also have guys like Favreau who are bringing their own sort of as like, well, I'm playing on my memories of this thing that was created. So um, anyway, right, that's Gilroy who's like doing the whole other thing. Yeah, Gilroy, where it's just like, I'll use Star Wars to talk about uh, uh, real stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't do that. Star no, Wars I doesn't do. have politics in it, John. I do like that where they asked him, it's like, what Star Wars stuff are you like? He goes, he goes, no, I'm reading about the histories of real rebellions. 
and then just filtering that through Star Wars. Some nerd will know the answers to this stuff, and they'll put the words in. Uh, but uh, so let's dive back, though. This is in a time before any of that. This is all people had outside of the movies. Were really this comic at this point. Yeah, and we're back on the wheel. We're telling our first little stories uh, to recap a little bit. I mean, we'll get a recap in the book, but on the first page here, we start out oh, with we ever. Luke Skywalker laid out in the arms of C-3PO. It still makes me laugh. It's so dumb. Again, yeah, 3PO being able to lift a human body is just such an absurd concept to me. How is this not Chewbacca? Because Chewbacca's busy hiding the dead body that was on the Falcon. If there's one thing we know about Chewbacca, he's good at hiding bodies. Yeah, I'll clean up your mess again, Han. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the, the, and they've been cornered as we left. They've been cornered by stormtroopers. We do get a we're already doomed from 3PO. I mean, would he be 3PO if he wasn't uh, portenting that the fact that we're all going to die? <laughs> and then once again here, down in the description, this is the wheel, a man-made space station. They all are. Unless they're not. Yeah, I mean, what that actually, what's interesting is that's implying that there is an alternative. And I think that alternative could be weird and interesting and something that, like, I don't think necessarily has a place in Star Wars. I mean, okay, here's a question. Would you qualify the Exogorth, the giant uh, asteroid-dwelling worm that we see in... Empire Strikes Back, the fact that you can land inside of it, you can I mean, it, get out. I, the, okay, yes, you're, you're stretching, <laughs> but that, that I would say is a living creature used as a space station. Um, the thing I'll say, though, actually, is what's interesting, if you've seen Guardians Volume 3 at this point, there is an organic space station in that movie. But still man-made. It's true, it's grown, yeah, it is still. it is technically still at least initially sparked by human endeavor mm-hmm. it is cultivated by yeah uh, so sapient, yeah. sapient life yeah so i guess unless you're just landing inside of an asteroid worm <laughs> uh, that's, that's as close as we get to a we've got our one i've got our one exception in the exogorth uh but yeah beyond and that, it, it, we are on the it, wheel it's and i'll give that like a okay yeah i get <laughs> give it to me yeah. on a technicality Han Solo turned it into one. Uh, <laughs> I can land anywhere, even in this worm. Uh, so yeah, uh, I do course, love the the short story from uh, from another point of view, Volume Two, where yeah. it was from the point of view of the space slug. <laughs> that was very clever. I mean, th- those books are very clever in general with all that stuff. Those are those are really interesting little side sort of mm-hmm. tangents. Uh, so yeah, let's. R2 though always saving the day isn't he I want to say this is the start of R2 racking up a body count (laughs) yeah man cause okay we've got this scene where uh oh 3PO and uh, R2 and Luke are cornered and they're doomed but R2 lowers some blast doors that are apparently like magnetically sealed like the the doors in the trash compactor on the Death Star and so when he fires the when the stormtroopers open fire the fact that they have enough time to actually like shout at each other while the blasters are going off whatever kind of also kind of stupid on their part. Like how far, how fast did this thing fall? And they basically at a certain point chose to aim at the door, right? 
Right. But it kills all the stormtroopers in this hallway because the all the blaster bolts go ricocheting around the walls and the door. And the way it's drawn, they really are getting it. Yeah. No. It, it these stormtroopers are super dead. <laughs> I know. And then yeah, as you're talking about, yeah, you're right about uh the surprising amount of deaths that R2 is responsible for. I mean, he's no uh uh, droid from Star Wars Rebels, whose name is... Oh, well, sure, yeah. Oh, I... man, why am I blanking on... Uh... Between the two of us, I would expect you to be the one that... Uh... I know, why am I uh, blanking on this droid's name? There's so many names, John, I can't remember them all, all the time. Well, I mean, um... hey man, I think, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason you're the, the Star Wars expert on here, that's why I'm, I'm always know, the guy who's that blue guy. You know, Chopper. We my God, why did I for blank on Chopper? Uh, yeah, Chopper kills a lot of people, but he sure does. <laughs> R two starts his body count here, and uh, obviously he'll become more and more deadly as the uh, franchise goes R2, on. R two is one of those things where it's like I didn't kill him; that door did. <laughs> like just because the oil I squirted out caught fire and killed a bunch of other droids, that doesn't yeah, that mean was, I'm responsible. It was, it was incidental. They shouldn't just have been standing there. Just because R2 made the hyperdrive fail on a Star Destroyer, that doesn't mean he's responsible for everyone who died aboard it. And anything could have happened after that. All I did was push the button. <laughs> uh, we do get a little bit of good banter between R2 and 3PO down here at the bottom of this page. Correct about it. I think Goodwin writing R2 and 3PO banter is great. Mm-hmm. I think we've finally also gotten the R2 noises down to like what yeah. they kind of should be from the movies. Yeah, it's it's a it's a doot a bree weet boop like that sounds even just as I read those, I was like, yeah, it sounds like R2. Mm-hmm. And but, we get the classic thing that, like, okay, what we don't understand from R2 is that he's constantly cursing and calling people names. Uh, and we get this line from 3PO where it's just like, well, I don't think that's an excuse for any name calling. Holy shit, R2. My God. The mouth of that droid. <laughs> he's got it. Yeah, R2 would be so canceled if we could understand him. <laughs> I mean, look, he's led a very rough life, and he's the equivalent of a sailor. He's he's hardened, man. Yeah, no question about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go to the next page. And this, why why is why is this totally pink? Because it's the evening in space. <laughs> uh, nothing like magic hour in space. Well, just think about, like, you know, all the sunsets happening at the same time, because they're all stars out in space. The, sure, why not? I don't know. It's the 70s, John. Don't question it. Oh, I mean, there's a lot in here that we can go, it's the 70s, including sexy nipple rope. <laughs> <laughs> this is, okay, I talked about it a little bit last issue. It's really apparent in this one. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> because, yeah, we're back on the wheel. We're uh, going back to talk. We're going back to a scene with Senator Grayshade and his sexy, sexy robot companion, Mastercom. Yeah, it's it, and and he's going, uh, oh baby, I'm running all the calculations over here. It's just like boop boop boop. boop. We find out later in this issue that Mastercom is the master computer for the entire station of the wheel, and that these robot yep. bodies are just like some 
form of interface so that Grayshade has somebody to talk to so he's not shouting at the walls. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the fact well, so can't... that implies that Grayshade specifically designed this robot to touch its nipples while it was interacting with him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, look, over the course of this issue, it becomes very clear that Senator, quote-unquote, Grayshade is a huge slime ball and a weirdo. And the fact that he is, like, really starting to, like, perv on Leia over the course of this issue. And, like, he's way older than her. And it's implied that, like, he had history with her dad. And, like, Grayshade's a bad dude. And so the fact that he invented a... A weird erotic robot to interface with doesn't exactly surprise me, but it's just like a weird subtext in this book that is never addressed. Not my fault. I was programmed to be this sexy. (laughs) (laughs) And like Mastercom, the body is such like a beefcake too. He's got these huge pecs and like he is is like a swole. Like we mentioned the Metropolis robot. He is like a swole version of the Metropolis robot. (laughs) Yeah, and his face has got this like set expression of just like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah the stuff, baby. <laughs> oh, bring it down. I just imagine he t- one of them actually had the audacity to tap into my system. <laughs> Such initiative and devotion seems most unusual, sir. I'd like to study Mastercom. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other guy's like probably talking like Vincent Price. <laughs> That's right. Master Calm, the only one of these rebels I'm interested in <laughs> is Princess, Princess Leia. Baby. Oh. Oh, because if there's one thing we know about Vincent Price, he loved the ladies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. Actually, he very much didn't, but kind of kept yeah, that quiet. Mm-hmm. No, that, uh, <laughs> he is- that well that's the thing in the movies, right? Like it was so overperformed. Right. I would say that, that is one of those things. Yes, we're one of those things where you're like Vincent Price, you're like when his daughter's like, oh no, he was definitely like at very least bisexual, but probably leaning more towards homosexual. And you're like, no, I see it. Not <laughs> <laughs> one of those shots. You're like, no. What? What do you mean? I, I, I love, I love all the girls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Mastercom's like, sorry to irritate you, Senator, but my personalized <laughs> form doesn't prevent me from performing multi-functions. <laughs> That's a- <laughs> Where is that music coming from, Mastercom? Because, <laughs> yeah, it turns out that uh, Grayshade is kind of observing all the disparate uh, bits of our rebel friends here, our Star Warriors, if you will. Um, those, those pesky, pesky Star Warriors. Because while 3PO and R2 and Luke oh. are trying to find a hospital, Chewie's off hiding a body. Han and Leia are just in a hallway somewhere, murking dudes. And Carmine Infantino cannot draw someone firing a gun. That the seems way... to be a real... It's, once again, it's that weird... Uh, fully bent elbow, turned wrist, kapowie! So for our listeners who aren't joining us on YouTube, yeah, hold your arm out straight, then crook your forearm up to a 90 degree angle, and then try to use your wrist to point a gun forward, like with your two fingers in a gun motion. Can, Can you, can you... Can you do that? Did your wrist do that? Because Carmen Infantino draws wrists like they can do that. 
it is nuts. It is a consistent problem in his art. It's I just like that that like that's a limit. Even though I, I, that's weird to me because how wouldn't it be easier to just draw an outstretched arm with a gun in it? It's like something he picked up from Looney Tunes or something. I really don't get it. Let's turn the page. Han's still in that shooting pose. They both are. Yeah, I I I do and not like. Flash Gordon ray guns. These aren't the pistols from the movies. Yeah, that goes back and forth. Depends on the page. Because um, yeah, on this yeah, next page, and stuff. Uh, we get our recap here that Luke is in Previously, some kind of uh, Star Wars. Uh, Luke has suffered some kind of mental shock while he was no, trying no, no. to meditate he on was, the Force. I believe it specifically says he was zapped by some kind of. <laughs> With Luke zapped by some kind of mental shock while meditating on the Force, we had to find medical facilities. And fast, he's explaining to Leia who was there for all of this. Hey, Leia, remember a couple hours ago? <laughs> I know. This is Han. the worst kind of recap. This is the worst. Why? I mean, this is the thing. We've talked about this before. Like, modern comics just literally have a paragraph that's like, previously, Captain America did this. You're like, yeah, that's fine. Please don't take time out of the story to have, Bucky, do you remember that we were trapped by Nazis? <laughs> yeah, we're currently yeah, in. Was there for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How was I to know that heading for here would bring us across a merchant ship scuttled by the Imperos? Remember that, Leia? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Han, I was there for it. Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, it turns out that, like, as we recap right now, uh, they were coming here to try to find a medical facility for Luke, but they stumbled across this ship that had been blown up, they think by the Empire, but they made it look like it was done by the Rebels. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. the Empire found them in the midst of this, uh, and an attempt to frame them have chased them to this space station, The Wheel. Yep. Uh, the only other important plot point that these characters don't know about, but we as the readers do, is that that merchant ship owned by the House of Tag, we talked at length last episode about, like, that weird, like, uh, aristocracy that is built into Star Wars canon based on this one general from a scene in A New Hope, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, has been... Like the canon just spins out kind of, you know... Random yeah, and I, 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 it doesn't become too important in this series of issues, but the the aristocratic tag characters will become an ongoing nuisance in Star Wars stories for decades from now. Um, right, right, yes. But specifically, this ship was carrying money uh, that was the kind of uh, profits from the wheel. So the fact that it got blown up is a big deal to. Senator Gray Shade, who is the administrator of the wheel. The very subtly named Senator Gray Shade. You know, he, he, he works in Shades of Gray, John. That's where he takes his name from. <laughs> oh, me, I operate more in the gray. <laughs> I, 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 I. When he when he went to go get recruited by the Imperial officer uh, over on Corellia, uh, he turned the officer turned out was like, "Who are your people, son? Where are you from?" And he said, "Well, I really just work in shades of gray. Hmm, gray shade. Got it." <laughs> I am very alone in liking that. <laughs> the thing from Solo, yeah. I, I liked it. I, I do not like it. I think it's dumb. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know. I'm sure. Look, John, you're clearly not alone because the filmmakers yeah. thought it was a good idea, too. 
It was literally the scene Lawrence Kasdan said he wrote the movie specifically just to do that scene. I'm not that joking. That is insane to me. But he okay. said he had had that idea for a scene since Empire. And he'd always wanted to put it in a Okay. I mean, it, it is it exists, so I can't deny it at this point. And like, I'm not, I'm not going to spend time getting like it's overly upset about thing. it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, it, it's happened. I think I think we've let it go. It's just a thing that exists. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, uh, so they yeah we explain all that. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> uh, the, that's there's your story. But then we have some security officers playing one-upsmanship with the stormtroopers, which is an interesting like little political thing. I don't think we've ever seen like another security force being like stand down stormtroopers. Uh, This is true. I also just love the weird green helmets on these guys. I mean, these are some G.I. Joe bad guys, straight up. (laughs) Straight up, yeah, no question (laughs) about it. Uh, Man, these guys uh, are are weird looking. They've got, like, these green helmets that make their faces green. Uh, They've got these straps with all these pouches on them. They've got these, I mean... Yeah, Infantino can't draw somebody holding a gun to save his life, it turns out. It's, um, such, a weird, it's such a weird, specific problem to have. <laughs> it's like, look, uh, some people can't draw feet, some people can't draw hands. Yeah. Infantino can't draw somebody holding a gun for some reason. I don't know what that's about. It's so weird. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but they're showing up and saying, hey, Stormtroopers, we're the wheel security. Stand down. We're taking these two as prisoners. And then, boy, just when you think he can't draw even weirder faces, look at these faces on Han the, and Leia. The middle right panel, yeah. Yeah, super we've got this weird. Leia is looking super concerned, and it's actually a less severe Leia than we've seen up to this point that Infantino but, draws. But just weird. Look at them. Both yeah. are doing the they both got hit by Joker gas or something. Look at that. The Rick grins on their faces. It's the, the solo hell? one that, again, we, he's like leaning Jack Nicholson with him here. How you doing? That's right, you stormed. <laughs> and the fact I that am it, patrol. The fact that it keeps happening makes me think Infantino doesn't know the difference between Jack Nicholson and Harrison Ford. <laughs> and thinks they're That's- the same actor. <laughs> You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> And now I'm just imagining those two's careers swapped in the like early 80s and late 70s. And it makes for a fascinating headcanon. It belongs in a museum, you motherfucker. <laughs> like that's what... <laughs> <laughs> Trying to imagine... Jack is in such a harsher presence than Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagining Harrison Ford trying to be the Joker in Keaton's Batman is just like, I can't really, even... Really good load of me. <laughs> he, he would just be so put out by any song by Prince. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Where does he get those wonderful toys? Is he just like a bat? Have you ever uh, danced with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> well, could you imagine even they're going like, I have to paint you up like a clown. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> He's just Joker as a guy in a suit. <laughs> I mean, look, I've seen cheaper renditions of Batman villains, so yeah. yeah. I mean, it, yes, it's true. But it's just like, you I don't think Gotham. of... 
Harrison Ford is not a guy who's who ever takes any kind of part that requires prosthetics or whatever. You know he's a guy who's like, get that shit away from me. <laughs> uh, Apparently, this particular... Anyway, they're they're being taken away by security, but I guess, hey, what is this? I like surly, angry customer Han Solo. Get your hands off me. I love his excuse because the security officers are separating him and Leia and Han says, the lady and I are a team. We stick together as though like that's a good reason for the cops not to split you up. That's my girlfriend over there, man. Don't you... But he doesn't even we say that. He just says, like, we're, we're teammates. We're buddies. Like, don't split us up. You know how this is. You get, you get Leia. You get Han. That's how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> we're a famous duo. It's like he's not even claiming that they're significant others or family members. They're just like, no, we're, we're buddies. You can't do that. <laughs> we're together. Yeah, we stick together. That's It'd be what like we if do. the cops arrested Sherlock and Watson and being like, oh, you can't split those two up. <laughs> like oh no they're they're famously a duo (laughs) batman and robin we got to put them in a cell together we can't have one without the other oh wow it just wouldn't make sense (laughs) look right Uh, (laughs) so yeah they they and like the security guard says as much when he says like senator grayshade thinks otherwise your life is now being measured about how cooperative you are in us helping search your ship Good Lord, you're going to help us or we're going to put a bullet to you. Good God, man. I mean, pretty much. How about, uh, one, let's go. To, Jesus Christ, let's talk about Chewbacca. Batman Chewbacca? <laughs> Batman Chewbacca. And look, we, we covered everything I don't like about this design. But can I talk about the fact that, and I'm going to put this on the inking. He has distinct ass cheeks when he jumps down. Chewbacca has a badonk. He is got some <laughs> junk in the trunk. You've never seen that. It's always just fur. On the, but here they make a point of like, no, there's a buttocks in there. And Chewie it, it has an ass that you could back up for days. His butt refuses to quit. Refuses <laughs> to quit. Hips that don't that lie thing. and an ass that don't quit. Look at that. That really struck me when I was reading this this morning. I was just like, whoa, that's chewy ass. <laughs> Never in my life <laughs> I seen the butt cheeks of a Wookiee. The fact that they, I'm going to use a clinical term here, that they depict the gluteal cleft of this Wookiee yes. is yes. something I was not expecting. <laughs> no, it's the one. And that, I, that's on that's got to be on that's on the inking right that's what it looks yeah, like yeah it's got to be so someone here was just like well chewy has an ass right <laughs> must <laughs> I, we only can assume at this point we've never actually seen chewy use the refresher which is what <laughs> they call toilets in star wars right right yeah <laughs> i, I, I <laughs> you don't want to go in there chewy just did his business Oh, we gotta. That thing's gonna be clogged with hair for days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got. You have any idea what I'm spending on plumbing bills? Good <laughs> lord. <laughs> I They're love sorry. the captioning here because it is so like weirdly direct. When it says, "While the search is being conducted, there is another fugitive from the Millennium Falcon unaccounted for. His name is Chewbacca. He is a Wookie." 
I love that. Like it's, I love imagining this like it's like a seventies exploitation movie. His name is Chewbacca. He is a Wookiee. The streets will run red with the blood of his foes. Yeah, exactly. Crime didn't know what hit it. You know, it's like. <laughs> so we're joining Chewbacca after he has presumably hidden the body of a dead rebel they found last issue. And this is where another... he hit it and how he did that without being caught doesn't explain. Unclear. And it didn't take long implying he knows what he's doing when he needs to dispose of a body. Not the first time. <laughs> Uh, I also just, it's another thing where it's just like, when you think Chewy, you think stealth. <laughs> Sneaking around. It's a, oh, classic Chewy, man. We literally get some panels here that look like something out of Batman, where he's like sneaking along the lip of a ledge above a stormtrooper's head. He's leaping down off of balconies. And like, you're telling me this stormtrooper doesn't hear this 500 pound alien <laughs> come thudding to the ground. Quiet as a whisper. If you turn a carpet upside down and drag it across a floor, it makes a sound that Chewbacca would make as he's scraping across a wall. Not, not only is he a giant furry creature, he's also wearing like a bandolier of weaponry and something like Jesus Christ, man. Also, what his gun, whatever that is, I don't... It's not his bowcaster. I don't know what, where he got they, that or they what don't it is. Give, they have not consistently not given him the bowcaster in the comics, which is so upsetting because that is one of the coolest weapons in Star Wars. And it's so iconic like to go with Chewbacca. It's just like, Chewie has the laser crossbow. That's just how that works. And then once again, here he is, like, quickly sprinting towards this elevator. Just like, it's not any, in any way how Chewie moves. We've seen Chewie carry Han like a football. I'm willing to uh, reject any notion of what we think Chewbacca should move like. <laughs> uh, I do like that Infantino clearly loved this one weird little bulbous-headed alien because he really spotlights him. Uh, the two aliens we get at the bottom right-hand panel of this are two guys we've previously seen in the cantina scene. So I like the, them showing up here. I remember the one on the right. I I do, now that I think about it, but I just like that it's just like... <laughs> He's looking at the, he's, he's going like, remember us? Mm -hmm. I think the one on the left is supposed yeah. to be a Bith, but they gave him a mouth for some reason, as opposed yeah, to like the little I proboscis. Because the other one I distinctly remember. Mm -hmm. uh, but yes, he, he does seem, I think you're right about that. Mm -hmm. uh, because... But Chewie has found his way onto the upper levels of the wheel. Unfortunately, his luck is about to run out. Uh-oh. Cut away to, Okay. Uh, an exterior shot interesting choice yeah because we get a little bit of an explanation of how the wheel works here it's that like on the interior of the wheel we have like this city that is like a classic sci-fi concept of the like a ring space station where the interior of the ring is the actual station kind of like a halo but on a smaller scale uh we saw something similar in the citadel and mass effect where you can look up and see like other layers of the city above you at a different point um but we get this whole scene where Chewie's wandering around here, where the city has every conceivable luxury and facility a discerning visitor might require, but the overwhelming majority of its buildings are casinos. So this place is Space Vegas. Space Vegas. Which we'll get... But it's like lower rent than Canto Bite. I was it's... just going to bring up the, the much the much discussed Canto Bite, which is, so, yeah, that's, the, that's where the, the high society rollers go. That's Space Rio. This is Space <laughs> yes, or, uh, Reno. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the biggest little space station in the world. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. That's that's exact. I think that's exactly right. Uh, and so yeah, Chewie is a. Uh, I. Okay. This blue, walrus tooth alien, is 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 just bad. I'm sorry. He's just a bad choice. He looks like something from Doctor Who. Yeah, he doesn't look like it. Looks really low rent for Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. Chewie's wandering around the casinos, he's confronted by uh, Egghead, the DC villain. Um, <laughs> to Vincent Price. <laughs> Excellent. Meet you, Chewbacca. I mean, that's what he looks like. He does. He does. Uh, but he, he says to. He also has the gigantic hand, of course. Okay, the perspective here is all over the place. It's like, how big of a badass do you think you have to be to put a hand on a Wookiee's shoulder and go, here, come with me, pal? Pretty badass, but look at how much of his shoulder is being taken up. Chewbacca's huge, and most of his shoulder is taken up by that guy's massive paw. I mean, to be fair, on the next panel, we do see uh, a, a wider shot of his hands, and they are monstrously large. They are big. Uh, you mean as Chewie hits him in the gut and liquefies his organs? Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we get a line from this guy saying, hey, our answer scanner has no printout on you. That means you haven't registered, and that means you ha- don't have an established credit level. So, like, we're getting all of this little background details and this yeah. one line of dialogue about, like, how much of a corporate hellscape the wheel is. And I love these little details like this. I do love the idea of, like, you haven't paid the fees. You're not registered. Who are you? Let me see your hotel key. But, the, like, there's this whole system in place for this space casino deluxe where it's like, okay, as soon as you pay your registration fee, we establish a credit level for you. So that's mm-hmm. how you can exist in this place. That is nothing but gambling. And if you don't contribute within that system, you have no place here. Right. And so the idea is like, if you have no credit history, if we go to the next page, uh, by the way, the, the blue alien is now turned into a green alien. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. There's some coloring errors here because Good yeah, stuff. Chewie, oh. Uh, doesn't take kindly to being told he has no credit history because uh, Chewie only pays cash and his cash is his fist as he liquefies this guy's organs and then he gets into a tussle for this with this Doctor Who walrus alien. I'm pretty sure Patrick Troughton just defeated this thing the other week. Uh, <laughs> uh, we learned that this thing is a Mandalian giant. Well, I do. I mean, I, I I like the idea of oh, look, there's an alien even bigger than Chewbacca that punches him out. I just the design is very dumb. Yeah, like I said, I think it like the mask looks like a Doctor Who like big rubber cast that would be on some actor's head, but the mouth doesn't quite work right. Yeah, that's exactly. I do love he th- th- this this giant punches Chewy, and there's another guy who goes, let's bet on it. <laughs> I mean, that's and that sets the tone for this whole place is like random bystanders will witness a fight and go, okay, we're going to start making odds on this. I got 10 on the Wookiee. Yeah, I do. I like that. I thought that was very funny. Like, I mean, uh, he, he the the guy with the mustache is like, I'll back the Mandalian giant at five to four. He, and, seems, he seems like a real kind of salt on gi- I'll back the Mandalian giant at five to four. Like, he does seem like that kind of guy to me. Uh, <laughs> but he, 
he does have the line here. It's like, very well, since the Wookiee only has brute persistence in his favor, let us say all bets are off. And because I, that panel is uh, aligned with a Wookiee hand coming into frame and grabbing the face of the Mandalian giant. I do like uh, Chewie just chucking this guy through a window. <laughs> this is not the first time we've just hard cut to a panel of someone being hurled out of a building because of Chewbacca. Uh, and then the security shoots him in the back. Yeah. Next panel is just like green helmet guys show up and shoot Chewie. And all the onlookers are like, oh, he's going to the gladiator rings. This is going to be good. <laughs> uh, and and yeah, that's right, folks. There are gladiator rings. Meanwhile, Han's still dealing with customs. <laughs> yeah. As Chewie gets dragged away on a space sled uh all the gamblers are like he's going to the gladiator pits it's gonna be good time for uh the ultimate gamble i think that's what they are just calling the gladiator pits is the ultimate gamble i guess so that's their excuse for saying that and you know whatever that's fine uh, but yeah, Han's back with the Millennium Falcon while the security officers are basically like prying panels off of it and strip searching the falcon yeah <laughs> come on man that's custom don't bend that oh <laughs> I mean, he says, he says, you guys are destroying a, a work of engineering art, undoing years of special modifications. That is it, where he's just like, come on, man. I had those seat covers installed special. <laughs> Don't take my dice. Don't take my dice. Ah, damn. A girl back home gave those to me. No. <laughs> Did you ever see Game of Thrones? You kind of look like that chick. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, dark hair. Uh. Yeah, so yeah, poor Han though. He's yeah, they're just stripping this thing apart. <laughs> poor Han is just powerless to go. Oh man! Yeah. Meanwhile, the guards are like, uh, "Wheel profits you pirated from the House of Tag, uh, merchant ship rebel, and we're authorized to carry out a death sentence if you don't start cooperating." Oh shit! <laughs> Pretty harsh. Which, again, Han doesn't know that. All he knows is like, okay, I saw the House of Tag merchant vessel. I didn't know there was wheel profits on there. Man, I swear, I didn't steal your shit. Yeah. I'm being set up. <laughs> oh, we've heard that before. I mean, I'm sure they have. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to Senator Grayshade confronting Leia. Oh, and yeah. Leia being like, oh, this asshole, because she knows this guy's reputation. I do like the idea that this guy is famously a huge dick. Like, oh, Christ. I mean, Leia even has this line here of just like, uh, oh, where did it go? Um, she is uh, basically like dragging him for being like the senator who could always be bribed. Well, and I, I mean, once again, we did get in the last issue the idea about my father really tried to, like, shut you down. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, it didn't work because here I am. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Leia saying, like, I care about many things, Simon Grayshade. Now we learn his first name is Simon. <laughs> A bad guy name. I mean, let's Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference between us. You are easily amused, but never committed and... Leia like going into rebel mode she's got the harsh infantino look again here but oh god yeah I mean I do like it's like she always looks harsh but then when she's upset it's 10 times harsher of course 
Yeah, her eyebrows get an extra three inches to either side, and they suddenly gain an extra, like, 30-degree uh, parabolic arc to them as they raise in distrust and anger. I think I dated a girl like that one time. It was weird. No, uh, <laughs> she's really mad. Um, uh, But she starts explaining to him that, like, look... Empire blew up Alderaan. I'm pissed. I don't want to be here. They're the one who are stealing your profits, not me or my rebels. And he's like, nah. No, he actually, he get, he gets kind of on board for this because he's an all sides against the middle kind of guy, right? Yeah, 100%. Because uh, he's this in shades of gray. Yeah. Uh, she starts explaining, like, look, they set us up so that they can come in here and completely take this place over. Right. Uh, and Gray Shade comes in with like, there are flaws to that plan, but what you suggest is kind of like imperial standard way of doing things. Yes. I mean, it, this is getting a lot into the kind of stuff we, we would tell you about, like getting into the weird inner workings of like mm, the business and profits and things and how we pay off stuff. And yeah. And something you and I have been in accordance with, like, in our fandom of Star Wars is, like, we love the weird, dirty, like, scoundrel side of Star Wars. Like, the Jedi stuff is great. And, yeah. like, the Jedi soap opera is one half of Star Wars. Sure. The other half of Star Wars is, like, the scumbag, gangster, uh, Han Solo side of Star Wars. And this yeah. is really leaning into that on top of the Imperial politics, which is just so much fun. Because here's a guy who's just like, well, I just want to make sure I'm getting the biggest cut I can. Now, you're telling me the Empire's screwing me, but they're saying the Rebels took my stuff? And he's just like, I don't really have an allegiance to either side as long as I get paid. Right. Uh, meanwhile, Master Comms coming back in going, Senator Grayshade, Commander Strom is on his way here at the head of a squad of stormtroopers. He's furious over your interference in the hunt for the rebels, and I fear Vidal. Vidal, he's done. He's done, though. This is a weirdly gruesome droid corpse in this it bottom is. panel. And also, can I also indicate? Yes. <laughs> wow, he does have butt cheeks yeah yeah there's more butt cheeks there on that droid when he gets vaporized mm -hmm. interesting most ass i've ever seen in star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does but yeah he's just like and uh i i do love uh uh you know commander strom here just being like hey uh i believe i've made my point because he just rolls in and he's just like, look, I'm going to blow up your droid and now I'm in control here. Go fuck yourself, Grey Shade. I like, I love this response too. He goes, Strom, I think you've gone mad. And he's like, mm, merely reckless. That's a real <laughs> psycho bad guy line. No, no, I wouldn't say mad. I'd say I'm just a little reckless. <laughs> I'm uh, maybe a little freewheeling, a little footloose and fancy free, but you know, I don't think I've got insane yet. That's all right. Let's get, let's back down a little bit there. That's a little <laughs> harsh. Though uh, <laughs> no, not as much as you, or do you deny that's a rebel leader at your side? I mean, he does have a point that this guy's literally talking to Leia Organa, figurehead of the rebellion. <laughs> and he's just going to straight up execute him. I mean, I will say... Uh, Strom, I don't know that he, he he almost is just like, yeah, I'm not going to call back for orders. I have the the complete control of this area, so you're going to die, buddy. You got to... There's something deliciously uh, 
enjoyable about a villain who's just like so completely wrapped up in their own sense of authority that they kind of like get the the horse blinders on for anything else in terms of politics. It's like, no, I'm in charge here. I'm going to burn it all down. And like, yeah, that will inevitably lead to their downfall because that's how those kinds of villains usually shake out. Yeah. I mean, that's how you get uh, a, a Moff Gideon and stuff like that, right? Like, is Moff the, Gideon's uh, a perfect example. I think uh, Cyr- Cyril Karn in Andor is another, like, yeah. look, we just got to track these rebels down. There's pockets, pockets of rebellion. And then the more you do that, the more you start to, and I love that on Andor, where it's like, what starts is like, well, I got to get this guy, turns into like an insane quest where you've 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 just gone past all reason. And now you're just like, oh, no. Oh, I've got to stop this right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy, again, Infantino can't draw people holding guns to save his life because he's God, now so weird. two-handing this weird blaster. In Not like... two-handing it in like a military way, just sort of in a like, yeah, I, I got you, buddy. He, he's holding it up with his elbows crooked in like a way you would like, like you were raising it to your mouth to take a sip of this gun. I don't know what's happening here. <laughs> sweet, sweet gun nectar. <laughs> Uh, and then the wall shoots him? Yeah, because it turns out Mastercom isn't a robot. Mastercom is the master computer system, and the bodies are just there to talk to Grayshade and poke his robo-nipples. Oh, you ain't ever gonna stop Mastercom and his pervin. <laughs> and this one's big and purple, and <laughs> it doesn't mess around. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm even hornier in this mod. <laughs> I mean, he actually says, actually, the old model was getting a bit worn, sir. How did he wear down the old model? Give you three guesses. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We've used him up. Now it's time for the bigger model. The biggest metal, baby. <laughs> Mastercom XL. <laughs> Yeah, it, we it, call this uh, Mastercom Magnum, actually. Yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right baby. <laughs> here, yeah, here comes Mastercom Magnum. Uh, <laughs> big old battle, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, here, and he comes out, and it's just like you think you you think you can stop this sexy train. <laughs> Look, we may be injecting a little bit of subtext into this book, but uh, not a lot. Just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> most of it's here. Oh, God. And then uh, whatever this green sludge that he's over here pouring a cup of. Great. Yeah, look, whatever his green drink is, we don't need to worry about it because Gray Shade is now kind of like taking control of the situation. Yeah. Mastercom is uh, on his side, and with that amount of loving, you can't lose. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, uh, God, uh, so yeah, and he's like, well, 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 I suppose it's time to talk about a new deal, eh? Uh, by mm-hmm. the way, uh, Gracie definitely calls this a drink. Does he? No, he doesn't, but I'm oh. saying. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Was I not reading that closely? He might have. <laughs> have some of my green drink. Uh, but I, uh, I so. I, I love this expression on Strom on the top of this next page where he's just like, oh, God. Yeah, because Grey Shade has taken Strom aside, leaving Leia in his like private chambers. Uh, and Strom uh, is 
reacting to Grayshade's proposal. It's like, look, what if we just teamed up? You can have all these profits. I just want to stay on top here. I don't care what the Empire does. And, and Strom's reaction is, partners? It is, I just like the idea of, like, he. It's, it's this reaction of, I know he's got me over a barrel here. I was like, oh, Christ, I'm going to have to do this, aren't I? Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to kill this guy 30 seconds ago. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if, if Strom was still on his Star Destroyer out in space, he'd just blow this place up right <laughs> yeah. now. God. <laughs> I gotta call Vader about this now. You did what? <laughs> that guy who calls himself Senator? Oh, I hate that douche. He is not a Senator. By the way, <laughs> it, it was a questionable election, actually, even. <laughs> there were inconsistencies in the count. <laughs> I love Darth Vader, Paul Checker. <laughs> That's it. It's time for a hand recount. <laughs> Darth Vader's very serious about his democracy reform in the Galactic Empire. Look, if we lose democracy, what do we even have left? <laughs> uh, so yes, they agree. Look, we all know the greatest galactic government should be an empire but local elections are important that's what's important you need to really pay obviously the emperor's in charge but who's your governor who are you grassroots democracy is what it's all about matter that's what i'm saying (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh so please vote in your local school board election (laughs) please the kids of the future let's be honest Says Darth Vader, famous child murderer. (laughs) But I may be a child murderer, but I'm also a father. (laughs) (laughs) I just want what's best for my twins. Um, Uh uh So yeah, they they, they come to a, a begrudging deal here. Yeah, and definitely one of those deals where it's like they're both side-eyeing each other and being like, one of us is going to betray the other, and it's just a matter of who gets there first. Uh... So, and all Grayshade wants is Leia. Yeah. yeah. What a creep, man. Dude. Yeah, his line specifically is, The only thing all my charm and total lack of scruples ever failed to bring me, Princess Leia Organa. That's right, baby. <laughs> Which, okay. Creep. Let's work out a timeline here. Yeah. Oh, this doesn't end well for Grayshade. <laughs> oh, Jesus, no. Okay, so he was a senator at some point. Uh-huh. We know that Bail Organa fought the creation of this station. Right. So that gives us like a 40-year window because Bail Organa was a senator during the Republic during the Clone Wars, right? Yeah. I don't know the exact like time, but like let's just give it a, an even forty years of just like yeah, okay, sure. where Bail Organa was a senator for Alderaan, right? Because twenty of those years are the period of the Empire, right. in which like he's already the senator for Alderaan when the Clone Wars ends, and he doesn't stop being the senator until the Senate is dissolved and then Alderaan is blown up, and that's where he dies, right? And that's just happened. Right, and that has just happened. So, he adopts Leia at the end of the Clone Wars. Right. Leia is 
a child for most of that, but <laughs> does become the senator for Alderaan near the end of her father's life. So presumably uh, Bale retired at some point and Leia got elected senator. Exactly when that happens is a little fuzzy in the current canon. Um, I think she was like super young when it happened in like Legends. It was like 16 or something. It would, ha- I mean, it would have to be because she's only what she's like twenty here, right? Twenty, yeah, exactly. She and Luke are both about twenty in in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and she so could he- more than sixteen, seventeen when she ends up in that. Presumably, the wheel got built somewhere in that time where yeah, Bale was still yeah a senator. Yeah. So let's be generous and say like over three years ago. Yeah. And let's say the wheel probably took a long time to build. So it, maybe it got built like near the end of the Clone Wars or even before the Clone Wars broke well, out. Not only did it take a long time to get built, but it's like an established thing everyone knows about here. So it would have to be yeah. up running for quite a while. Yeah. Oh, God. So that only leaves us like this weird, slim period of time where most of that is spent with Leia being an underage minor. Yeah. Oh, you think? Look at this guy. He built a fucking perv robot. You think he gives a shit about ages of consent? I know, but it's just like, oh, this guy is so gross. The fact that he's pining after Leia, having probably only known her for like three or four years. Yeah, and and the idea too. It's just like I've always wanted her. Yeah. Ugh. Gross. God, I know. Yeah. I, re- I really want to nail down how gross this guy is. He is. Super gross. And the book, it's not one of those things where it's like, you don't even... No, they are really writing him as super gross. Yeah, 100%. They're leaning hard into like, look at this perv. And his even pervier robot. Except for the perv <laughs> robot goes, hey, I ain't the perv here because I'm all about self-love, man. Mm-hmm. Look, <laughs> Master, Master Com's about two things. Being in complete control of the computer facilities aboard the wheel and expressing... Love in all ways possible. Oh, yeah, baby. It's all about love. <laughs> uh-huh. And family. Well, okay, now he's just Vin Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, Disney, if you need a master com, Vin Diesel, you know he loves to be the voices of stuff. <laughs> uh, okay, at the bottom of this page, we cut to Luke, who is in the hospital. Apparently, 3PO got him there. Yeah. Uh, The doctor is saying, like, this guy's not even registered. Like, why are we treating him? And another Master Com robot, maybe? Maybe. This one's pink. Uh, By the way, I love that she has, like, an old-timey reflecting mirror on her. Like a a 1950s doctor would have. All she she has a red cross on her lapel. Like, that's a symbol for... Healthcare in Star Wars? Yeah, this is this is the kind of stuff where they get a little lazy. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to build too much world, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we get told on this next page that uh, the droids brought him here, but guess what? The droids have just been sold to the wheel. <laughs> of course. They're not. Because the, gu- the guard says, They're someone pop- named Han Solo just made the uh, bet when he pawned you to give him a gambling stake. So it turns oh, out oh. off panel, Han Solo has sold these droids oh. to get himself a stake. Because I'm feeling lucky tonight. <laughs> Sabakan went poor and he needed something to bet and he used 3PO and hey, R2. 
Calm down, 3PO. I'm on a hot streak. <laughs> this one's going to turn around, I swear. <laughs> Daddy needs a new pair of shoes. Daddy needs a new pair of droids. Because, yeah, the security officer is taking away 3PO and R2, taking them to storage, he says. Oh, my God. I need... <laughs> we, got a, we got a nice warm closet for you. <laughs> I just imagine it's like where Bender lives on Futurama. Mm-hmm. And we also get a line here from 3PO that lets us know that it's R2 that has like messed with the ship systems to make it so they will treat uh, Luke without him being a registered like gambler. R2 is ever a deus ex machina, right? Like he always can hack into anything and get them to do whatever they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, on the bottom of this page, we see a green multi-armed alien being what? flung out of a pit. That is nuts. I mean, the, <laughs> look at these, I, I almost feel like you can tell when they're just like, I don't know, Carmine, we just need like an alien. And some mm-hmm. of these designs, they're so, I mean, this is very, we talked about the dog dude. This is a very Flash Gordon-y kind of alien. Yeah, it's got like six arms. It's got a weird space belt. It's scaly, but it's also got fur coming out of its ankles. Like I don't Wars. know what's going on here. It doesn't feel like Star Wars. It feels like a remnant of older science fiction. Yeah, this is like some knockoff of somebody saw Frank Frazetta drawing green Martians and was like, ah, that's right. kind of what an alien looks like. It, 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 it's, it's in that vein of like, yeah, yeah, like John Carter. I read those, you know, mm-hmm. that kind yeah. of stuff. Very still like pulpy space opera. Right, but also, like, enough of the Jack Kirby stuff that, like, but he also needs to be a belt, because aliens need to wear pants. <laughs> well, they're <laughs> I always just love that about, like, older comic books. Like, even the Silver Surfer, it's, like, is drawn wearing trunks most of the time in older books. It's like, well, he would wear pants. He's a weird silver herald of Galactus, but why wouldn't he have pants? <laughs> I always loved uh, Galactus with the belt that had a G on it. That was my favorite. <laughs> it's G for Galactus. For Galactus, so you know whose belt it is. Just because it can fit around a planet doesn't mean you need to not label it. Also, I got to keep my pants. <laughs> yeah, it's giant space pants. Yeah, come on. I can't embarrass myself out here. Uh... So, uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, we find out that, uh, it turns out Chewbacca has been thrown down in these gladiator pits and he is not having it because the guards are rushing in and saying, hurry with those control prods. That Wookiee is awake and he is not happy. So here's the, here's a question. How many people has he killed already? <laughs> <laughs> Cause he's literally there of other aliens around in here, right? I mean, it's the same thing from Solo, honestly. It's just like, okay, by the time we meet Chewbacca in that movie, he yeah. is in a mud pit, and they have been feeding people to him. Yes, that is, uh, we just kind of roll past that. Uh-huh. <laughs> just sort of like, you know, <laughs> stuff happens. But yeah, uh, Chewie, I mean, we do see at the bottom of this pit, once they start stunning Chewie, that like there are two other corpses at the bottom of this pit with I know, Chewie. And, it's like, and we just, presumably that multi-armed alien, he's dead, right? Oh, I kind of assume, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and they are like, he's out of control. He's probably killed a couple of these green guys while he's at it. Uh, so, uh, Oh, I'm sure there's like a couple of... Uh, 
families that are getting letters tonight on the wheel being like, we're sorry, your husband, who was a guard down in the gladiator pits, uh, he poked a Wookiee too many times. And, you know, they'll just they'll get you. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they're they trying to calm Chewie down and, and prod calm him. Calm Chewie down? No, they're trying to stun him into obedience. What are you talking about? Calm him down. Yeah, yeah on, these man. these are our gentle calm down sticks that have electrical rouks That's coming out right. of them. We call it a calming stick. Okay, we're gonna play some nice music and kazap. Uh. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, we do get Chewie's worst the worst curse word a woogie could say. I in know. The bottom left panel here. He snarfs these guys. He snarfs them. That's a, a pure, bold snarfing right there. Snarf. Hey, whoa, you do not talk to me like that. <laughs> Where did this Wookiee get raised? The language on this guy. I mean, I know the situation's grim, but, you know, talking like that doesn't help you, filthy mouth. There's no reason for I would... body language. When did, uh, when did Thundercats air? It was after this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was 80. Yeah. Yeah, so Snarf maybe doesn't have quite the same computation when this is made, uh, but it would later become one of the filthiest slurs known to cartoon kind. <laughs> oh, Snarf. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, let's go through the page here. We've got... the hell's, Oh, right. So he's looking... <laughs> uh, Han has been betting on gladiatorial competitions is that the so i don't know if these are gladiatorial competitions or if this is like the weird 3d battle chess That's stuff that they I have yeah i can't really figure out what this is well, what we see is a holograms fighting on a little table although it and looks so like tuscan raider doesn't it yeah but also like i assume the monsters that we saw them playing the hollow chess with are also real creatures yeah i guess I don't so know. like maybe I okay, I'll say this much. I've been recently playing uh Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and in that there is a mini game where you like scan in enemies you've beaten to play like a hollow chess for oh, you. Interesting. So like that's a whole thing you can do in the cantina in that game. So, so I, that's the first thing that jumped to my mind when I saw this. Yeah, that I that that makes I, that would make sense. And Han is just consistently losing at this to some more weird-looking aliens. Yeah, these are some more walrusy-looking guys. Why does everyone have these big walrus tusks coming what? out of their face? What's more alien than a walrus? Says Carmine. <laughs> Pretty weird. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Guess sure. Um, yeah, he has. Yeah, we on that um we, we get some inner monologue here from han uh because he has literally lost everything at this point oh, though we also it. figure it, out that off screen they let him go yeah that's weird i don't han did a lot off page right like a lot because he sold yeah. toys, he got credit he's been you lose again by the way star hopper of course mm -hmm. still trying to make that happen uh, but, but you lose again, implying that he's been gambling for a while then too. So I don't, he's been up to a lot. So the timeline of events here is that like, okay, they're stripping the ship looking for a stolen loot. They don't find that because it's not there. Right. They do confiscate his ship against the docking fees, but because he paid the docking fees, I'm assuming that means he was given a line of credit. Right. So then he starts gambling, trying to make his money back to buy the Falcon. He mm -hmm. then loses enough that he needs to sell the droids. 
Yeah. And then he has the last of his money chipped out here on this page. Very, very busy, Han Solo. Yeah, I guess. All not that we've seen, though. It's just, it's just, it's weird storytelling. Meanwhile. Yeah. Because he's trying to earn enough money to bail everybody out of the situation they're in and just doing a bad job. Well, it's classic, like, it's the house always wins, right? It's sort of like, Han, no, you're not going to get the money at the casino. But he's like, no, 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 this time, I've got a system, all right? Yeah, you think the (laughs) casino is going to let you earn enough money back to pay off the casino that you lost all that money at? (laughs) I don't understand. Han is savvier than this. Well, and we especially since we find out later when we get a cutaway to Gray Shade that like he's watching all of this and making sure Han loses. Yes, that's another thing too. Is like Han, why do you think they're playing fair? Also, yeah, exactly. Though he has no idea that Gray Shade or any of those machinations are happening at this point. It's true. This is true. But uh, well, then what? Where does he think everybody is, and what are they doing? He just thinks they've been arrested and they're being held. Yes, I mean he's not in contact with anybody at this point, so he has no idea. This is he's all... just killing time. Yeah, this is all. This is all kind of weak. Like, just yeah, this surely. is surely there's good idea. Like we talked about, there's a lot of good ideas in here, but this is where you get in a little kind of jumbled up structure. Yeah, he talks to this credit droid and uh, has this fun line: "Treat yourself to a lubrication-soaked tin bridges." That way, I know I'm not the only one who took a bath. Yeah. Uh, but the droid points out on this next page that, like, look, there's still one more option for you that you could pay off all of your debts in one fell swoop if you're willing to fight in the gladiatorial games. And you know that's how everybody ends up in the gladiatorial games in some capacity, right? It's like, Adam, fight to the death. (laughs) And it is, we get get a poster for it here that the droid points to, and it is called The Ultimate Gamble. I risk high reward. Be a gladiator in the big game. <laughs> All right. Han Solo stares long and hard, then walks from the casino's atmosphere of plush excitement into one of cold desperation. It's like the line. He's like, oh, God, am I really doing this? Wow. I love this fancy little janitor who's here checking him in, being like, congratulations, Corellian. You're a gladiator. Hey, you're a gladiator now. Go get your helmet and your shield. Yeah. On your left, you'll get your helmet. On your right, you'll get your shield. <laughs> Go down the hall, hang a left, and you'll see the weapons rack. The selection is not great. And look behind him. There's a blue alien who, yes, has tusks. I like the other alien who's like a Cyclops unicorn behind the tusky one. I do. I always love the descending like detail that gets put into these things where it's like, we got this guy and then that guy. And then he's just like, I don't know, there's just like a guy with some like tendrils on his head. Yeah, he's a, and then the guy behind him is just a weird potato sack with no distinct features. <laughs> and now, uh, it, it, uh, Ma- uh, Mastercom and Grayshade is like, what are we going to do? He's just like, oh, we just make sure he dies in the gladiator pits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know this is inevitably going to lead to a showdown between Chewbacca oh. and Han, right? Of course. Uh, yeah. Because next month promises us Death Game. I love a good Death Game, John. Death Game, speaking of other podcasts we do, really sounds like an action shelf movie. Oh, 100%. But can we talk about just how 
much sexual gravity Mastercom has in the last panel of this page. This big purple grinning robot with like techno oh. nipples in the background. <laughs> oh, we're planning a murder up in here. <laughs> <laughs> like he is a sexually deviant form of the grimace. From... <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Sexy like... mecha grievant. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's up with Mastercom, but I'm just hoping he walks away from all of this and can live his best life. That's what I want. Can we confirm? Is there no miniseries about? (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is, but it's in it's uh it's Marvel Black Label, unfortunately. Oh yeah, mature readers only. (laughs) What was the Marvel uh like mature readers line? What was that called? Max. That was yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah, it's a black label over at uh, DC. DC, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, next time well, we get Gray Shade with his little his scheming face, oh, uh, yeah. saying, "Yeah, now we arrange for the smuggler captain to lose the big game, just as certainly as we made him lose the others." <laughs> Here's the thing, man. You're already up to a ton of evil. Just fucking capture him and kill him, man. This is so complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't he just have a security murder him? And you got to assume that, like, Grayshade's been watching all of these people from the get-go. He knows they're all connected to each other. So he's going through ridiculous lengths to have, like, a conniving scheme to get oh, them God. all to murder each yeah, other. It's, 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 it's just, it's so compli- it's so needlessly complicated. Yeah, and I could maybe wave it away as just like, okay, Grayshade really doesn't want to get his hands dirty, so he's coming up with these elaborate schemes to get everyone killed. Yes, exactly. But it, it is playing as like these layers of machinations that are whining against each other, and I don't want to build it up too much in my head, but I really do like just like the layers of narrative conflict that are put in motion by this story. It is enjoyable. I, I like tracking all the little bits. I think the story so far is interesting and fairly well executed. I'm just really bracing myself for this thing to land on its face, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I I never have high hopes for this thing, ever. Because mm-hmm. you, you can't. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> your up. You've got to go into low expectations just to save yourself. I will say, having read ahead a little bit, we might get an appearance from a certain uh, voting rights activist later in this story, though. So, oh, we'll see. interesting. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm intrigued. I will say they've got me intrigued. So mm-hmm. uh, and let us know how intrigued you are uh, about this this book. And and please, uh, you know what? Give us your pitches for that Mastercom miniseries. Try to keep it, you know, somewhat reasonable. But uh, PG-13. PG thirteen, but you know he is—he is, he is a, a, a a sex positive character, so you know it's true. It's absolutely true. If there's one thing we know about Master Com, it's how he is sex positive in a galaxy far, far away. Oh hell yeah! Uh, so <laughs> and of course, if you want more uh, content from us here at Punch of Entertainment or to help support the the shows we do, you can go to our Podbean patron page. That's patron.podbean.com/slash/punchup. You can get cool. Exclusive bonus shows as well as help us make these podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, And if you're just listening to us, please come on over to the YouTube 
channel where you can watch us watching the comic book as we do this thing. Uh, if you want to subscribe over there, leave a comment below. It really does help us uh, spread the word about this show that we're having a lot of fun doing. And I think we're getting into some good stuff um, here over in the Star Wars comic book page. Uh, in the comments below, let, a, let us know, yeah, about your Mastercom sex positive comic book from Marvel Comics in 1977. By the, by the, you know, a couple years into the show, there'll be a real interesting snapshot of Star Wars comics <laughs> that we'll have put together for people. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, but that's going to wrap things up, I think. Absolutely. Uh, join us next time for issue number 20. We've been doing this for 20 issues, John. That's crazy. And we snuck in four issues of another uh, Star Wars book. <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah. Uh, we had to loop back around a little bit. The, 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 the promise of this show is we will not stop. <laughs> Because we're 20 issues in, we're not, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> we're all slowing down. Uh, because, as always, I've been Mike Gargoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. Mm-hmm.